My name is Mary Grace, and this is the Home Body Podcast. And here we're exploring the home as a body and body as a home. I host spiritually and artfully minded conversations on embodiment, on approaching life as practice, artistic collaboration, and experiment. We'll talk about healing, art, aesthetics, magic, the practices we can bring to hone our intuition and live our life fully awake with our power intact. My hope is to encourage and enliven you and to also cultivate awareness and freedom. We're here to develop wisdom and self-trust and to be dynamic agents of beauty. We're here to design and be more intentional with the creation of our life. And we are here to make room for inquiry, sensitivity, and joy. Thank you for listening. We are all inherently creative beings. We are all multidimensional beings. We're having a human experience. We're here for a brief moment and we have an opportunity to make an impact that could last eons into the future. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Homebody Podcast. I'm super happy to have you. And today's episode, we have the guest, Viana Novus, joining us and To use a word that I've been thinking out loud about on the podcast lately, we had such an interstellar conversation. We were just tracking on so many different big ideas and maybe telepathically communicating a few days before the episode, who's to say? So, but before we get into this beautiful conversation where we talk about time and creativity, healing trauma, and the complexity of embodiment and coming back from a near-death experience. Um, There's a couple things I want to let you know about. I am dropping the free astrological prompts for May tomorrow. If you're listening to this, it's on April 30th, the day that it comes out. So I'm sending the new astro prompts out on May 1st. So if you would like to get these prompts for creativity, or you can use them for self-reflection that work in correspondence with the astrological transits coming up the following month, just click the link below and you can get them sent to your inbox. And if you already get them, no worries, you're already going to get them. So you're already on in the address book there. And you can also go back and listen to last week's episode. If you normally come here for Uh, astrology and other deep dives around adjacent topics. You can go back and listen to last week's episode where I talk about the transits that are carrying us to this point at the end of April and kind of walking us into May, including the Scorpio full moon that just happened a few days ago that we're living under now. And we are opening the doors to Kin, our occulted membership community, soon on May 8th through 14th. So If you have been listening to me talk about it the past few weeks and the episodes on the show and you're interested in learning more about that, you can highlight those dates on your calendar. Or if you're like, what in the world are you talking about? There is a link below to find out more. And it just lets me know that you're curious and that lets me know that you know and so that I'm not sending you emails that you don't want. So I talk about Kin more in last week's episode as well. And so if you'd like to find out more, just click the link and also maybe go back and check that episode out. But back to our guest today, Viana Novis is a multimedia artist and what they call a creativity guide. I love all the guests that we have on the podcast. I'm very choosy about that. I 
kind of only want to have conversations with people I'm a little bit in love with and live on the same planet. And so we can just have expansive and beautiful conversations. And so I'm really choosy about who comes on because I think if, you know, if I don't enjoy the conversation, then we probably don't, you know, we probably won't be doing as much good as we could um, for those who are listening. So, but I feel like Viana and I were just instantly dove into the deep water and went with it. And they beautifully shared so much of their perspective on a range of things like healing from severe trauma, the creative cycle that they've both experienced, you know, in a more traditional sense as an artist, traditional is for lack of a better word, uh, more what we think of creativity as belonging to an artist, um, but also uh, as an example in their body and becoming a parent and birthing a child. We talk about deep time and how special and royal it is to be living in a body. And they also share about their experience of almost dying, which happened immediately after giving birth and how, what perspectives that gave them access to uh, in regards to embodiment and life and you know, creating an, another chance at living. And it's just a really beautiful moment. And I think there need to be more conversations around that space between life and death. I think it's a very valuable perspective that can teach us so much about the joy of breathing and being here in this form and also not necessarily contained by it. This is a very expansive and joyful conversation and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. It's a pleasure to share it and be sure to check out the links below to learn more about Viana and their work as well as other people or episodes that we talk about during the show. And if you enjoy the conversation, consider sharing this episode with someone you love and maybe taking a few short seconds to leave us a five-star rate and or review. It really helps us keep the expansive, mythopoetic healing conversations getting born. And we so appreciate you being here and please enjoy this soft, radiant conversation with Viana Novis. I usually, I like to start by letting folks introduce themselves because I love to hear people's own perceptions of who they are in this moment. And it doesn't have to be official or professional or like CV resume. It's just more like how you see the world or how you would like us to know you for this conversation. Would you mind starting us off with that? I love that. Um, I will start first with how I'm arriving today in this moment. Um, I just started a new treatment a few days ago or kind of the next level of treatment. So I'm very soft right now. And um, my brain, it kind of feels like I'm about five minutes from a psychedelic trip. Yes. <laughs> it's a really funny state to be in. It's, it's, very, um, it's very soft. So. Also, my, my brain just moves slow as I'm transitioning and into this treatment, um, tending to what's going on neurologically health-wise. So my brain is, you know, I might hit moments where I get a little scrambled um, or I just lose my train of thought. I feel like that's valuable to start with. That's just what's happening today, um, a couple of days into this treatment. And as for kind of a more general bio, um, I... My name is Viana Noves. 
My pronouns are they, them. I am a multimedia artist. And I suppose you could say maybe a creativity coach or a guide. Um, I, in this moment of my life, don't feel overly identified with labels. Mm -hmm. I feel far more interested in relating to people in real time and letting the markers of my identity that I used to be really forward-facing with just unfold as we relate to each other and as we get to know each other. Um, Something pretty fundamental in my perspective in the world is that we are all inherently creative beings. We are all multidimensional beings. We're having a human experience. We're here for a brief moment and we have an opportunity to make an impact that could last eons into the future. Um, and I, I hold this human experience lightly and also with great regard. And um, I think often in deep time mm-hmm. and, and really hold myself in that perspective um, and play with the scope of deep time and how to ground that into the present moment. So that's just kind of my mindset, my worldview that informs my work and how I show up. I have a podcast. I put out a magazine for creatives that's all about tending to your inspiration and down-regulating your body. Um, That comes out every other month to my mailing list. And I also have a Patreon. So right now that's kind of what I'm working with. Oh, and I'm a parent. (laughs) Also also, this. (laughs) Also that. I have a three-year-old who's magical and hilarious. Um, And I think that, I think that's a good sum up. <laughs> yeah, no, I love all of that. So I was like, oh, it sounds like you're inside of my head. <laughs> um, I think I want to uh, bite that I would love to start with. So I'll just share something I've been thinking about because I'm interested in how you would think about it. It's like thinking of time as sort of like the big bang. Like I've been trying to think of ways of time as like 360 degrees. Mm-hmm. And an image that I've been working with is this like time is like the big bang. And then it just expands in 360 degrees all the way out from there. And, mm-hmm. and that our embodied experience, we're just going meta. We're just jumping right in our embodied experience. You're like, I'm almost tripping. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my, and then like our embodied experience is sort of like this little like pin on a map. So, or something of this, like, and I don't know, something of you like, I think you can talk about this with me, but it's something I've been thinking about in the way that you're talking about like deep time and holding our embodied experience is something so beautiful and meaningful and like royal almost, um, but also like light, you know, that we're also like simultaneous and all of that. But I just, I just wanted to throw all that at you because that's what I thought of when you were saying that. So I, I love all of that. Okay. There's so many threads here, but first the, the, the lightness and the Oh, I love that word that you said, royal. Mm-hmm. Feel royal. There's a grace. There's a, a power, a regalness in holding that multidimensional reality of existence. It's very grounding um, if we bring it back to the body. Yeah. You know, if we're in the body and then allowing the expansion into the many dimensions of existence, which I think is where we where there's friction. You know, yeah. how do we do that? That's you know, in my journey, that's been where the friction has been. Totally. Um, I love that. And then also the levity, the lightness that that's so important because this physical world is so dense. Um, But if we're existing in the multi-dimensional expanse of our being, uh, their joy is like 
this, you know, high vibrating frequency, however we want to put words to that or um, humor and, and laughter. It's like, those to me are the most protective energies. Yeah. And so if we're staying in the density, uh, we're, we're really missing the opportunity to expand ourselves into that fullness of what's available to us. And if we allow ourselves into the joy and the pleasure and uh, the sensuality of being in a body. Yeah. And by sensuality, I just mean living life with our five senses, like really being in the present moment and feeling and seeing and smelling and tasting and hearing this whole world that we live in. That's where we, we access this full range of high frequency or I'm, you know, I'm like using air quotes because I don't feel so overly attached to the words that we're going to put to it, but the, the regality, regality, is that a word? Yeah. Okay. That royal regal energy and the levity and the humor, you just got it. So with you. Um, okay. Also the big bang. I love that you just brought this up and it pinged this moment in my meditation a few days ago, which I have completely forgotten about until this moment, which I love (laughs) when that happens. I was sitting in meditation and I was, I just asked a question that feels like kind of random for me to, the big bang isn't something I generally think about too much, but I was just like, what is the big bang? And then I was shown an eye and and what I heard was the big bang is in your eye. You see it in your eye. And, and like, as you're talking and I'm looking at your eyes and you have like light eyes, so I can really see the layers of your eyes, even through this computer screen. It's like, oh, whoa. I'm just like, and you're talking about the pinpoint and I'm like, whoa, this is, and then I'm thinking too, like my brain is going in, in so many directions right now, but how our eyes actually function and interpret the world. My touch point for this is color and mm-hmm. how our optic nerve actually translates the frequency of color. And we take that information in through our brains and we have these really individual experiences based on what cones we have in our eyes. This is how we get color blindness. Some people don't have a cone that's functioning. They're, you know, and depending on what cone it is, they'll see a different spectrum of colors. And so color is this experience that we share and yet we're having a very individual experience of it. It permeates everything. It's the most mundane, right? And then we have the full spectrum of experience from people who have four activated cones, um, who can see wider ranges of color than most of us, all the way to people you know, who are blind. And, and I'm just thinking of like, you know, this expansion, right? This like, I... I I don't know if I'm connecting any dots here. This is a very new thought for me. I feel like it's something I could chew on in a metaphor I could run with for a long time, but it's so interesting that you brought that up and it just pinged to this moment in meditation for me. And as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm looking at your eyes and I'm thinking of this idea of like the big bang is in your eyes and I'm looking at you differently. (laughs) Mm, I love that. That lands and it's really fun. (laughs) That lands. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We can talk after recording. Be like, I wonder what time you were meditating. And if it's the same time I was sitting in front of my computer doing, because I'm really into, I can't, this is not where I had the conversation going, but it's fine. The, like, just thinking about how I, th- I feel like, I mean, humans are always evolving, right? We're always evolving and adapting. And I think our understanding of 
who we are as what I've been calling lately interstellar beings and also who we are as embodied beings is changing. Like we're, um, I think evolving to be more subtle and more aware and more energetically attuned to use the word frequency earlier, which is something that I've been for lack of a better word. Um, I've lost my train of thought. Yeah. Like how you were saying is special about how you are today. It's how I am all the time. Um, oh, fine. I'm so <laughs> yeah, I'm like, where's the rambling going? I'm but, with it. <laughs> um, basically like how our communication could potentially be changing to like how like maybe telepathy is getting more, not easy, but more common. Like it just feels more like efficient in some ways, you know, like my husband will come downstairs and was like, Oh, I just kind of was like feeling inside your brain this morning when I was meditating. And I found out why you were upset with me. And I was like, yeah, that is why I was upset with you actually, you know, and how like, that's the thing that we're learning to do is humans are remembering to do. Um, yeah. Yes. That, that like when you first started talking, I was like, feels like we're remembering. Mm-hmm. I was just talking about this yesterday um, with my ex-husband partner. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a whole, that's a whole tangent there, but um, <laughs> we were, we were talking, I guess we're just landing on the word partner for now. Um, I think it's, I think that context is funny. It, it, it makes me laugh. Um, so we were just talking about this. Um, oh, now I lost my train of thought. Can you just ping me what you just said? <laughs> just um, how like humans are evolving. So maybe our communication is evolving or remembering or becoming more subtle. Yes, they're remembering. Oh yeah. So we were talking about what's passed in our DNA and you know mm-hmm. how trauma is passed in our DNA and how, um, how animals, like they evolve, they don't need to be taught the lessons of their evolution. Like they you know, a generation will learn something of like, don't eat that insect, you, you'll die. And that information is encoded in some way and passed on. I don't know. I mean, I don't know much about how animals pass on information. So this is just really speculation. But we were talking about that and we were talking about how um, trauma is passed through DNA in us and how we, with our consciousness, with our ability to think and contextualize and add story and add time, you know, to think about the sense of deep time that our processing of this information is so different that it, it really just, and, and I have a lot of curiosity around this, much more curiosity than any answers, but just, you know, thinking of us in relationship to the planet, to the world, it's like, how does this sense fit in to evolution and growth and consciousness and the way that we fit in, the way that our human puzzle piece fits into the collective. Um, it makes me, it makes me feel a little closer to like mycelium. Yeah. You know, that like the intelligence of uh, creating like networks and passing information and passing resources and the way we're moving forward, like, oh, you got this damaged thing and we're going to do our best to also pass forward some wisdom. You know, it feels like every generation, regardless of circumstance, is really working to lift up the next generation. Yeah. You know, and and like, even when we're like, I look back at my family and I just see like trauma, 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 so under-resourced, so under-resourced. And here I am in this moment, tending to my health in a way that I really didn't think I would be able to, tending to my trauma in a way I never imagined possible, tending to my mental health, my physical health, my emotional health. And I just like look at my lineage and I'm like, 
that you didn't know, like all this trauma was being passed forward and you didn't have the resources, but you really like, there was an instinct to do whatever you could to lift us up. Mm-hmm. And now here I am. And I look at my child and I'm like, the, the life that my child is living is like light years away from the life that I lived when I was their age. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I mean, I don't know how I'm looping that back around, but it does feel like there is, there's a quickening of, yeah. of how we're progressing in our healing, in our awareness, in our connection with each other. And then also bringing it back to that wide out view of, of time and interconnection to the collective. That's like, we've been doing this in some way all along and we've forgotten a lot of things. And I think that's much bigger. That's a bigger cultural conversation there of like, how did we forget all of this information? Yeah. 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 I think there's multiple, I could touch on so many things that you said. I was just recently kind of diving into a webinar that was basically about how we inherit genetic memory and how we can also get, we can also get like memory from cells from other beings, like plants can give us their memory and things like that. How that happens on an intercellular level. I'll send it to you. It's long, it's dense, but it's like worth it. Wow. Um, And there's also a way like in human reproduction, the way that our, um, like it's actually the, the genetic memory of the egg cell that is getting passed on. So it's like, it's like a very like material, which is something just really radical to think about. Um, so basically, I think there's definitely some scientific basis for everything you're saying. And even if there wasn't, I wouldn't care because I'm on board <laughs> with it. But um, I think that's that's true. And I think the remembering, which I've been thinking of lately as like a body thing of like literally putting members back together mm. um, and how there's a way that in some ways that civilization has like trained our remembering out of us, like, you know, within the societies that we live in, we've had to cultivate these artificial ways of surviving, right? Like we have to perform, um, there are ways that we have to submit or perform to patriarchal structures or ideas in order to survive because we need money. And those are the structures that give us money, things like that. Um, but even that is beginning to change, um, I think, which is exciting. Um, but how that method of survival is so different than like, plants come from the ground and I need plants to live, you know, like it's a, they're kind of bifurcated a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that fracturing, you know, I think that that reveals something that's fractured in, in all of us and our consciousness and our, we see it in so many ways. And, and I think that we're at this moment of resolution where it feels like we're, or, or reckoning maybe not quite at the resolution yet, but at the reckoning and the, um, the revealing of that fracture and uh, some are having an easier time seeing it. Some don't have the option of not seeing it. And some, it seems, would rather avoid and pretend it doesn't exist. Right. Um, you know, which all of that to me speaks to the trauma of the fracture. Right. Right. Like, and it manifests in all these different ways that like avoidance is also a trauma response. And, you know, it's like we're all in various ways in varying degrees, of course, like we got to keep it in the cultural context, but like the fracture, removing ourselves from that essence of truth of being a part of this natural world hurts all of us. Yeah. It hurts all of us. And that um, right now I'm 
I'm really this year going after skills to relate through difference. Mm. Um, studying, starting actually in just a couple of weeks, very excited Yay. to um, work through Dr. Jen McCabe's oh, uh, yes. program. I know you've had Andre Renee on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that whole school of thought is um, a direction I'm, I'm moving in. And I just see so much resolution possible through that and transformative justice as well. That's been a lens I've been learning more about in the last year of just um, understanding how relating human to human, difference to difference, pain to pain, and then cultivating awareness of like, what do I actually have the capacity to do? How can I actually respond? Like responsibility, the ability to respond. Like, what do I actually have the ability to respond to? I can't respond to everything. That's not sustainable. Yeah. It's not realistic. I can't know all the things. I can't do all the things. What is actually in my power to be a part of facilitating uh, a greater sense of competence in our world so that we all have the ability to create safety for our own selves? You know, like, it's not my job to create safety for somebody else. And it's also something that I can participate in supporting, mm-hmm. right? And like the ability we have to create safety for our own selves. Because we have to like, we have to decide the situations and there's a lot of nuance and cultural context here, right? Like there are ways where it's like, there's violence happening that we can be a part of creating systemic change, right? But when we get down to that personal level, it's like every person has choice Mm -hmm. and and responsibility to our own selves and like our own trauma. And there's so much nuance here that I just feel like I'm chewing, chewing, chewing on how does it all fit together, the being part of creating systemic change and being responsible to myself and what I'm actually capable of attending to. how do all these pieces fit together into a sustainable action? Mm-hmm. That makes me think of the kind of mycelial, you know, it is that networking function. It's like, are we as human beings literally just like, when are neurologically connected, you know, like the way that, and so, yeah, I think that I love that you're chewing on all of that and how potentially even like, whether it's mystically or scientifically, I don't know, like how those are not necessarily separate things. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. I would love to loop back around because um, thinking about like creativity and all of the which to me, like creativity is such a huge part of embodiment and incarnation. And um, I think, so I would love to hear your, because I know that you work a lot with like earth pigments and you have your own art practice, um, but you've also birthed a child, which is an incredibly creative act. Um, oh. So I'm just interested in some of your um, kind of perceptions on, I'm also the word um, Beth Pickens phrase, your art will save your life is really coming to mind right now. Um, Whatever that means. So um, yeah, I think I'm just, I'm here to listen, I think about your experience and your thoughts on that. Beautiful. Oh, I love that. Any chance to talk about creativity I'm (laughs) I'm in. So for me, my kind of foundational Uh, relationship to creativity is that everything that I do, 
when I'm moving with my will, my conscious will, is an act of creativity. Mm-hmm. And I draw that distinction because and I think I would also say like, I'm curious about if that distinction is necessary. In this moment, that's what I'm working with. Um, and I am open to that changing as I change and evolve. Um, but I hold that distinction right now because I see the way that pattern and trauma can influence action and kind of uh, divert what manifests or what is brought to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see the ways that my own dysregulation has led me astray. Um, astray from what? I, you know, ultimately it's led me to this moment. So this is where I have curiosity of like, well, I don't know. Maybe the trauma is an act of my creativity as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that yet. I'm, I'm considering that piece. But in there is a fundamental belief that as a part of creation, what I do is creativity. Mm-hmm. Everything that I do is creativity. When I, as a part of creation, am in motion, that is creativity. When I'm making my bed, when I'm having a conversation, when I'm making breakfast, and then when I'm painting, when I'm drawing, when I'm sewing, like all of it, all of it. When I'm having, you know, an emotional release, that's a form of creativity. And through that lens, life feels a lot easier. Mm. And it also feels more fun, which is what I'm after. You know, I'm after the pleasure because my life has been really hard. And Mm. I think, you know, even if you haven't experienced a lot of capital T trauma, like just living in this world is fucking hard. Mm -hmm. I swear. I guess you just have to. No, it's fine. I put explicit on every episode because I'm like, I can't remember if I swore. So I just put the E on it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's fine. Um, So... I, that's my lens on creativity is just, it's, it's an inherent part of being and it's part of this remembering, you know, that we are all inherently creative. A lot of people forget. Yeah. Because we have these cultural ideas about what it means to be an artist or what it means to be creative and none of that, like your conversations can be an act of creativity. How are you showing up to them? You know? Mm-hmm. How do you show up to making your bed? Are you, are you present to that? Are you, are you like, are you feeling the textures of your bedding? Are you noticing the light coming through the window? Like all of those little moments to me are creativity. Mm -hmm. And there's a piece about presence, you know, and sensuality and, and pleasure. Um, So that's my foundation. And then everything that I do that one might deem uh, create like a traditionally creative act. I'm just using air quotes because I hold it so loosely. Yeah. Uh, there are so many realms that I work in, like more than people have even seen publicly. So much more than what people have seen publicly because I view it all through this lens. So it's not like, oh, I'm a fiber artist. I'm a painter. I'm a this, I'm a that. It's like, I am an artist I am a part of creation. I'm a creative being and whatever I do is creative and it's all my voice. And sometimes the right medium is clay and sometimes the right medium is fiber and sometimes the right medium is paint, but it's kind of irrelevant. It's just like, I got to get the thing out of me Mm -hmm. and 
however I'm going to tell this particular story, like we'll see how it manifests into a thing. Um, but I, I love a lot of mediums, you know, music and fiber is fiber art is one of my first loves and, mm-hmm. um, working with earth pigments now that for me is really a space where I just show up as a student and listen and really confront a lot of the uglier sides of ego mm. and, you know, power, like power over um, and just really confronting that part of myself. So it's a beautiful practice in that way. Um, to cultivate a sense of patience and and to tell myself no and um, to work with time, like this physical representation of time, um, something that's so ancient. Mm-hmm. It's really far beyond what I could articulate that the practice of working with earth pigments, um, so beautiful, such a gift. And then, I mean, being a parent, yeah, that act of creation. Yeah. I had a friend once um, say to me, like, I think she was like working on a sculpture or something. And she's like, I don't know how to make an ear. And then she was like, yes, I do. I literally made two human ears. Like, <laughs> I know how to make an ear. And I just, it's so brilliant to me to look at it that way. I'm just, yeah, like, I created a whole human body mm-hmm. inside my human body. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm still producing milk. Like we're, we're, we had, had the intention to wean a month ago and I just am holding it all loosely that we were going to wean because of the treatment I was on. And then I found out that it was okay to keep nursing. So we just do a couple times a week, but I'm still producing milk. I mean, yeah. that act of creation is incredible. You know, mm-hmm. I like give it to the plants and like, share it with the animals. Like, you know, I'll just like, if I see a little bee like walking on the sidewalk, I'll squirt a little out and like, awesome nourishment. And that like, I, I struggle for words. It's surreal, surreal. I mean, that sense of abundance and capacity within your own being, you know, and it's, it's happening I mean, it's not like you're consciously being like, make milk. Like that's not what's happening. Just the way that you were, like you were waking up and a baby's growing inside of you. Like your body is having like an intelligence. You're like, oh, I'm bigger today. You know, it's not like you were consciously doing that, which is just something so beautiful about our, our capacity or our, um, I mean, I think really like our innate connection to life, like how we are an inherently life generating creatures, what creativity is that. Yeah. And it's also fascinating to get to visually witness the creative process, like the swelling and then the retreating. And that cycle, you know, it happens in my painting practice. It happens in my fiber practice. It happens in my music practice. You know, it's like that happens all the time, but the retreating in the you know, the art practice can often come, well, and in the physical like body as well, I'll bring that around. It can come with so much shame. Mm. Like, like in terms of the physical manifestation of that, of like growing a human and being in the state of being really voluptuous and soft. And, um, and like, I mean, I overproduced milk 
for like six or eight months after Delu was born. And my boobs were huge. Like, I mean, rock solid up into my armpits. Like, wow. I didn't, I didn't have a cup at that point. I was wearing like nursing tanks, but I, I'm guessing somewhere around a D cup. Yep. And now like, as my milk is, I'm, I'm just producing so much less. I, I'm like smaller than an A cup. Right. So like that transition of like this physical swelling and retreating that has happened. And then the retreating, like the, the swelling being filled with this like celebration and like drawing attention and drawing like praise and, you know, compliments and all of that. And then the retreating being filled with this sense of like shame and um, not enoughness, mm. you know, and, and seeing the connection that this kind of visual expression of creativity in my body as a birthing person, the way that mirrors the creative process in any like tangible art practice. It's really beautiful to see and just notice like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not painting so much right now. And there's some sense of like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not, you know, producing enough. I'm not whatever. And then just softening into that. The, the kind of the miracle of the cycle. Like, okay, my, my boobs are so small right now. And yeah, I feel emotions about that. And I fed a fucking human yeah. for three years. <laughs> so yeah, like my body's going to look different than somebody who has not fed a human for three years. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and like with my art practice, I miss painting. I'm like having trouble with that right now, just with the health issues I'm dealing with. And I'm gathering some intelligence in this moment about what it means to soften and rest and slow down. And when I do have the capacity to pick up a paintbrush again, all of these lessons are going to synthesize into the visual presentation of whatever I make. You know, it's the the swelling and retreating, it's not just the retreat. It's, there's a gathering that's happening there. There's information, there's lessons, there's wisdom. If we choose to pick it up, mm-hmm. it's always there, right? That also feels kind of inherent in any moment, the swell or the retreat. I feel like I'm really rambling. <laughs> You're not. I mean, I relate a lot. So like I, like, so my art practice is, has primarily been dance and performance which in and of itself is something that is not tangible, right? Like you put all this work into something and then it's gone and you have no, you have nothing afterwards, like hold on to or touch or show anyone um, something like a Vimeo or whatever. But, mm-hmm. and it was always interesting because like, you'd be like in the middle of a run, right? We're doing four shows and we're on the second one and people are like, Oh, what are you working on next? And you're like, I haven't even finished this thing. Right? <laughs> like I was like, I'm still doing this. Like we're exhausted. I'm going to sleep a little bit. But this way that we even like expect that, but that being said, like I haven't made or put on or produced a show in a couple of years. And there's this sense of like, well, I'm, am I still a dancer? Like, do I still, you know, and there's that sense of like our identity is so intertwined with like our outer facing self or our productive self and how it's like, I'm a dance artist because I am, you know, and that's something that, and I'm also like really excited about all of the things that all of the habits or the things that have been on un- the tendencies that are being undone in like my body and how it's used to expressing itself. Like when I show up the next time, like it's going to be so different and that's so exciting. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I have a background in dance as well. So Lovely. like, oh, the 
the feelings of being on stage and Mm -hmm. running through a program. And I mean, all of that, I'm salivating thinking about it, but yeah, it's, I love that. Like I I am, Mm -hmm. period. The most inspiring congruent statement, I am. I am. Like that external affirmation is, I think, a function of this fracture. Yeah. Looping it back to that. That's like the flower doesn't ask the tree for confirmation. Am I a flower? (laughs) Am I a flower? Am I a flower enough for you? (laughs) Like we forgot. We forgot. I am. Mm-hmm. forgotten that and our generation that we have so much to clean up yeah we also have more access to information and resourcing and the understanding that slowing down will facilitate um, integration and resolution in our bodies and if we can facilitate it in our bodies then we can work towards facilitating it in our homes, then we can work towards bringing it to our communities, then we can actually create systemic change. It doesn't start first outside of ourselves. Right. It starts within ourselves. It starts within that mending. And I am, I mean, the resolution of that, the resolve of I am is so- period of that. Like that's the end of the sentence. It is. I am done. Like that's- all of it. And there's no lack. There's no condition. It's not a reaction. Mm-hmm. It's so matter of fact. I am. Shit. What a release. What a like. Right? Oh, there's freedom in that congruence. Yeah, like there's nothing I have to make to prove myself or to be myself. Like I already am myself, you know, and you were talking about your, like the question of like, my trauma led me here. So did I maybe create that in some sense, like kind of living with that question, so to speak. Um, And just thinking about how our, you know, I don't know that we can not find our destiny. You know, like, I, I don't know that we can not find it. I think there's a lot of different ways that it can manifest or like show up, but I, and there's a lot of ways to like get around and it's not a singular thing, but yeah, I think there's a way that some of the things that we were like, you know, we, we put so much pressure. I put so much pressure on like, is it showing up as this or is it expressing as this? And it's like, I don't know that maybe it matters so much. It's like coming back to that lightness and that joy that you were talking about with which you also hold this embodied experience, I think. Yeah, it's just that, that uh, coming back to that I am, that's just, there's, is the destiny not inherent in right. who I am? Right. I am my own destiny. I am existing as my destiny and mm-hmm. I have sovereign will. I, mm-hmm. I am an autonomous being interconnected to this whole ecosystem of life. And I, I get to make choices and decisions about how I'm positioning myself. And in that choice and decision, am I not creating my own destiny, right? Like the situations that I have come from, the violent trauma I have come from. And I do just want to like, I'll just give a little uh, trigger warning if anybody doesn't have the capacity to hear about that, maybe just skip ahead a few 
pulses, but coming from a background of, of violent sexual trauma starting when I was two, mm. you know, before I had a sense of the world. Yeah. Coming from my father, like there's deep trauma there. Also growing with physical violence, emotional manipulation, like eating disorders, drug addiction. You know, my body has been through so much. And I choose to not treat myself as a victim. Mm. I have been through a lot of things that I could look at and say, you know, I, I was a victim. And that's not to say that's always been my perspective. It's taken a lot of work. And I also see the privilege in arriving at this moment, you know, of like the resources I had access to, to be able to resolve some amount of that pain that has led me here. And I'm working to share that. Mm. People, you know, I see that as the, the gift of the privilege that I have is then to share that with others. Like, okay, so I had this privilege. So let me share that and let me offer that to you. How can I keep passing this uh, around mm-hmm. collectively so we can all receive it? But the, the choice to not identify as a victim feels really important. You know, that's the first shift. That's the first move towards arriving at a point where I could just sit back and, and you know, look at my trauma and say, yeah, well, like, uh, without that. And I, I don't believe that suffering is necessary for growth. Yeah. I don't believe that because, you know, I came in as who I am. I arrived on this planet as the being that I am. And trauma was a distortion that led me down a path. I didn't need that to become who I am. Yeah. I arrived as who I am. The trauma was a fracturing of sorts. And it was also full of information. So I didn't need it to become who I am, but I did get a lot of context for being human in this world today. I understand things that I could read in a book, but I don't need to read in a book because I've lived it. And because I've lived it, I will understand it in a way that no book could ever articulate because I understand that which cannot be translated in words. And so from there, I can connect with people in a different way. I can arrive in that place where words don't exist, right? I can look, we can share a moment, we can share an understanding that exists beyond language because there's a lived resonance in it. Mm -hmm. And that like, there's just so much choice in that. There's so much choice in arriving at that moment of seeing the power of that. And I wasn't ready for that for a lot of my life. Like I needed to be in the space. Uh, I didn't need to. I, I desired being in the space of feeling righteous and, and vengeful. And um, and I make that distinction because need, what I have now around need is that need is um, without this, I will die. So no, without that perspective, I would have still existed. Mm-hmm. But I believed in that moment that like, that was how I was going to get through was ferocity and and rage and that's what felt protective to me now I understand joy is protection pleasure is protection sovereignty autonomy accessing relationship with my will that's protection more than like the fire the fire comes from fear for me you know Mm -hmm. and keep it in my own experience it's like 
when I am on fire, if you see me like screaming from the rooftops, I'm fucking terrified. (laughs) You know, if I'm like putting up my dukes and I'm like calling a fight, like it's because I'm scared. Mm -hmm. It's not because I feel strong. Yeah. And that journey has been, you know, it's brought a lot of information. I'm sure. We were talking a little bit before we started recording. I, I think too that there's something about, or the people that I've spoken with who've either, whether they're medical professionals who worked in hospice or people who've had like near death experiences, you know, there's like thinking about these experiences that can't be taken from us, right? Because they become a part of your resonance, which is what you're saying. Like it's not something that I mentally understand and interpret. It is now accumulated in the I amness, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think it's um, an, inter- an interesting interplay of that in your own life is like, you know, I think there it's, I don't know your whole story, but it's, it sounds like right after you gave birth to your child that you also experienced a moment that was like almost fatal or, mm-hmm. um, and the interplay of that, that life death moment, like being kind of hovering in that feels like something that is very potent uh, and obviously transformative and informative of your perspective about being alive and who you are. And um, it feels like that that is tangential to some of the things that we've been talking about. If you would like to, to share or follow along with any of that. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that back in. Yeah. Today, today is the three-year anniversary. I said that before we started recording, but just for everyone who's listening that today is the three-year anniversary of being hospitalized. I had a septic blood infection a week after I gave birth. Um, I gave birth at home and then was hospitalized three years ago today. The 20, today is the 26th of March. And yeah, I mean that. I, I don't know that I will ever be able to fully grasp and articulate what that experience brought to me. Mm into my awareness and into my body. And I mean, life and death in one week. It's really beyond, um, beyond my comprehension still. Every year I understand a little bit more. I understand how it's informing my perspective. I'm able to articulate it now more than ever, Mm. especially as um, I'm tending to my health. Like I've, I've been sick these last three years. I, I got sick. I almost died and I didn't get better. And I didn't know that I didn't get better. Like that's a really interesting piece of it is that it just became my normal state of being. And so I just thought like, this is just how I feel. Mm. And I didn't actually understand how much pain I was in. It's really, it's so, that alone is so hard to articulate. And I think it relates to this sense that I, I wasn't fully back. Yeah, you weren't like in your body. Yeah. I was just kind of hovering in this liminal reality of like, I'm not really human anymore. You know, I don't, and I'm, I, I'm still struggling in being human. You know, I still kind of, I just feel like an alien most of the time. And I'm like, I don't this is weird, weird being a human. So I just play along with this thing. This makes no sense. <laughs> like, 
I'm I'm that's why I'm going after relating through difference because I'm just like oh I want to I want to like kind of ground myself in this human experience more mm-hmm. and have a better sense of relating to other humans. <laughs> How do I do that? Yeah. <laughs> in a lot of moments, I still feel like I'm suffering. Mm-hmm. And the process of coming back into my body has been one of resolving a lot of trauma, understanding how sick I am and how sick I've been, actually tending to that and getting help and rewiring I mean, literally rewiring my brain. Like that's what we're doing right now is accessing, like dealing with the neurological repercussions of getting sick and also of the trauma that preceded getting sick Mm -hmm. and how that all connects. The lens that it's given me on existing is so, um, it's soft. I, I don't, like I can create a better sensation for you than I could put language to it, right? So it's it's soft, it's gentle, it's loving, it's just like a cozy blanket with like the arms of somebody you adore hugging you. And it's only become becoming that now as I tend to my health. Like it was not like that at first, but as I'm integrating the experience and tending to the the pain that came from it. This is what I'm receiving now as I really digest the experience. There's something that feels like truth. Mm -hmm. In every moment that I'm remembering about what it means to be here, what it means to be alive, uh, I feel more disconnected from things than I ever have before and simultaneously more connected. Mm -hmm. The way that I'm going after things is so different and I'm, I'm still grappling with that. You know, I'm at this moment where I, I feel liquid still. I feel like I'm still in the cocoon and I'm understanding how shape and form is coming back to me. But the, everything has dissolved under like everything that I thought was true, everything that I thought was who I am and how I was existing dissolved under this experience. Like just everything, every little piece of myself was stripped away and and down to the point where, you know, like I was suicidal and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and couldn't find myself. Yeah. Just like, disorienting and dark and now to kind of be integrating it's bringing I think the light that cast that shadow to use that metaphor Mm -hmm. it's rounding out the picture yeah I mean it feels like integration like that feels like a big I mean it's the sense it's like calling your spirit back essentially yeah Um, yeah, no, I relate a lot to that, that sense of like, I think I was like, tw- it was over 10 years ago. I forget. I was in the middle of like a training or I don't remember. And at one point the teachers looked over at me and they were like, it's safe to be here. You can let yourself be here. And I just burst into tears because I had grown up very like 
like kind of very evangelical Christian. Like, and I was just kind of leaving all of that or had left all and just wasn't sure, like, what is my worldview? Like, and in that end, but it hadn't occurred to me until like, oh, I've never, I've been afraid to be here. Like there's a spiritual sense of that hovering that you're talking about. Like, oh, I've been kind of not in life. I've been just watching life, um, which is a completely understandable approach. Um, yeah. But yeah, there is something deeply powerful about the ongoing integration of those things and the kind of the paradox of it all, I guess, which I'm appreciating for you and with you. Mm. Paradox, that word, I just, I feel like I bang my head into it every day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. That. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Right. Oh, both. Not either or, it's both and. Oh, oh. Hmm. Let me just stretch more to hold that. Okay, sure. Um. <laughs> that, that, I mean, now I'm coming back to that big bang of the expansion, right? Like right. here in my body and expanding infinitely. Like, yeah. Ooh. Because it's, as you said, when we first started, it's multidimensional. And for me, I'm also like, I think it's also maybe spherical. You know, it's just all, it's above and below. It's all like, it's, because it's a sphere or something. It's everything and nothing, right? So like the more the more we think on it, the, the further out we go, the more it dissolves, the less like it, that, that I would say is my biggest takeaway from this experience because I, because I touched it, because I was in it. I was back with it as it. Mm-hmm. And what, like what the process of almost dying was actually like for me was this, I mean, I could feel myself leaving my body, mm-hmm. floating out into this infinite abyss of nothing as nothing, pure bliss. Just, mm-hmm. there was nothing there. There was, I was nothing there. I, I did not exist. No word, no words I tell you will encapsulate nothing. And, and then some part of the I that didn't exist would remember that I existed. Mm-hmm. And it would snap me back into my body. And I was yo-yoing between mm-hmm. this. Like moving out into the abyss of everything that is nothing. And then remembering that there is an I that exists and coming back, choosing to come back to my body, fighting to come back to my body because of my child. Yeah. Like my child was the anchor that I, I, I would not have chosen to come back had I not had an eight-day-old infant. I know that. I know that. Like I, it was a conscious choice to return to my body. I can remember where I was in the universe when I made the conscious choice to return to my body. And I had to keep making that conscious choice. And that, what that process of flowing between this I self and the nothing of reality, which is what I'll say, (laughs) how I'll contextualize that, is understanding that you and I in this moment, we are infinitely connected, but at the root of that, we are nothing. And that nothing is everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I struggle. I struggle to articulate that. But I look at you and I see me. Mm-hmm. I see you. 
and I see us and I see the full spherical expanse of us that expands infinitely into nothing Mm -hmm. through time. Like time doesn't exist. Material doesn't exist. Like once it gets out, like it is nothing. And there we are everything. I say it and I still just, I'm like, oh, but it's, those words feel dead in the face of how alive it is. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, there's a way that comes back to this idea I've been thinking about with like, just like the, the frequency of communication where it's like our, our words can't work. So the colors will have to do, or the, the energetic download or the telepathy or the whatever, like the vibration's going to have to do because the words are not the, the primary language, I think for that space. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And as you're talking, I just think of just the beauty of, you know, because earlier you defined creativity as what you do with your conscious will and then literally kind of consciously choosing to re-enter your body and to be like, you know, I'm going to create my life one more time. And I just think that that is just like, it's making me cry just thinking about it. It's just like really beautiful and profound and just awesome. Like you literally like birthed yourself again because you're like, let me do it again. Yeah. Wow. I'm just going to receive that for a second. Oh my gosh, that's thank you for that. Thank you for that. I'm really like, I'm really taking that in right now. It's just like a warm, hot wave over my body. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really, it's really impactful to hear that reflected back to me. Yeah, that's really. Um, it's so interesting too, because this treatment that I'm on, because we're addressing the neurological impact, I've been saying how I feel like I'm a baby. Like mm-hmm. I, I look at infants and I'm just like, oh dude, I, I fuck <laughs> I see you. Like, Same. <laughs> yeah, the, the, like, the saturation of information and what happens in that saturation point where I just need to sleep and digest. And basically I'm operating in this very like infantile way, which is to say that there is an, a massive amount of stuff happening in my body and in my brain. Mm-hmm. And what's happening in my day to day is so minimal. I eat, I sleep, I go to the bathroom, I shower, I tend to my child. I do minimal things with work, which I'm even going to use air quotes around work. <laughs> yeah. It's like I have to hold it so lightly because I'm a child right now in what is happening in my body. Like you think of developmentally what happens in the first three years of life, how fast the brain is growing and synthesizing. That's what I feel like. So, you know, emotionally, I feel mature. I feel like an adult. But like physically speaking, my my brain feels like it's operating in this very infantile way that it's mm-hmm. building these new neural networks and how much energy is required to do that and what I actually need to do to process. And then I add, like adding in this piece of choosing my life, choosing to come back, being you know reborn after death. And being in this place where it's like 
today would mark my third birthday, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and just thinking of that, the first three years is this time of extreme change in a child's life. The brain is doing all this work. And so that, I mean, it's just, it's synthesizing deeply mm-hmm. of how my body is taking that reflection. Thank That's you beautiful. for that. No, it just like kind of landed. And I was like, oh, that feels big. <sighs> um, well, on that note, um, <laughs> um, I feel like we like broke the internet today, um, which I'm down with. Would you mind taking a moment to tell us what you have going on, where we can get obsessed with you on the internet um, and follow all the things that you're doing? Yes, thank you. Um, So my podcast is called Creatively Relating with Bianca Novus. It's on iTunes and Spotify. Um, And I have a Patreon patreon.com slash Viana Novis. In that space, everyone gets access to all the content I have to offer. So you choose how much you pledge. It starts at $3 a month and whatever you have to give, I I trust everyone who's arriving to be in relationship with what they have to offer and what value they're receiving and, and make the best decision for themselves. Um, and in that space, I every Tuesday, there's new content. There's a writing prompt, a creativity exercise. I share the photo sets that I create every month that are only about stoking inspiration. And then we do a monthly live where we meditate together and I do a Q&A with the community. Um, and all of that from Patreon supports the podcast and also the free magazine that I put out every other month which is also about stoking your creativity. And you can get the magazine called Feru um, on my mailing list. You can sign up for that either through Instagram. My Instagram is at viana.novis. My link tree link is in there so you can access Feru that way or directly through my website, vianama.com, V-Y-A-N-A-M-A.com. And that site is getting revamped. It's slow as Girl. I'm moving slow. It's it's very old, so hold it lightly. Um, but that's that space. You know, Instagram is more of an accurate reflection of what I've got going on now. Patreon is more of an accurate reflection. The podcast; those are all things that are new and up to date. Um, the website will happen, and it will eventually become vianonovis.com. So, but it should redirect in the future. If you can figure out all. The tech things I struggle with. The same, same. I mean, I can't even. Yeah, I was like, we're all trying to rebuild our spaceship, and it's hard. <laughs> like, it's a lot of work. So it's yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, especially when things just they just feel quantum right now. They're moving so fast, and really, what feels like outside of time and space. Yeah, just rapid. Yeah, it's a lot. It's yeah, it's something that I've finally been like, I need help with this. So. Um, oh, I will uh, make sure all of that's like hyperlinked in the show notes so people can click you really easily and find all the things that you're up to. Is there anything that you feel like you would like to leave us with that you feel like we didn't make space for in the conversation or anything that you'd like to say before we wrap it up? Know what brings you pleasure. Mm. Know, Know what pleasure means to you. Define that word for yourself. Go after it in your life. And, and see what comes of it, you know, see what pleasure can bring. And uh, if that's a word that feels 
like a stretch, maybe start at joy, mm-hmm. maybe start at curiosity. I think, and, and this is my own projection, of course, so take it, go after what you desire. Yeah. And from, from my perspective, that essence of pleasure will be a sustainable source of fuel to keep going after what you desire. Yeah. Whatever that is, however it looks. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. I, yeah, thank you so much. It's been really lovely to just like dive into the universe with you for an hour. It was really a joy. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the conversation, please leave us a five-star rate or review subscribe to the show, and share the episode with someone else who would enjoy it. Be sure to check out the links below the episode in the notes for more information about anything that we talked about on the show, free resources, and also how you can join our free group where you can talk about the episode with other like-minded folks. Thank you for being here. Peace.